In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with our first ever external guest. It's John Costco. John, how are you, sir? I am doing great, Paul. How are you? Excellent. And uh, are you still in Majibi? <laughs> Bemidji. Bemidji? Uh, no, actually, I am not. I uh, This last week, I, I've moved, and we're relocating to Cincinnati, where the headquarters of PFF is, and, and um, but currently not in Cincinnati just yet. I'm in Columbus at an Airbnb, and uh, are we, we close on a house in Cincinnati, or a suburb of Cincinnati, on August 12th. So we're kind of between locations right now. Okay, cool. You're not going to become a Bengals fan, are you? No, 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 no. I will not become a Bengals fan. If I, I lived in Minnesota for a number of years, if I didn't become a Minnesota fan, uh, you know, my, my loyalty will never be swayed. So you're, you're working full-time for Pro Football Focus? Uh, it's no longer Pro Football Focus. It's uh, PFF. We, uh, we, we made a purchase, a large purchase of a domain name of PFF because we've always been you know, the, the, we've always had that brand of PFF. Uh, but now that we have the actual domain name, uh, we are transitioning from pro football focus to PFF mainly because, um, we also do college and we, as a lot of people know, we did AAF and you know that that's not really pro football either. And so we do more than just, um, you know, pro football, which is, you know, the NFL. Uh, so rebranding to just pff and uh so it all encompassing of underneath the company of all all kinds of football wow so we've got some breaking news on the podcast no longer pro football focus and we are pff that's right excellent and uh john we're, we're coming up to the new brown season what, what do you think the uh win loss record is going to be um, you know, there's a lot of debate about that, right? Like you get some people throwing around 14 and two and 13 and three and all that stuff. You know, I definitely, I'm looking forward to seeing them uh, have double digit wins, you know, from our analytics guys of, you know, Eric Eager and George Trahuri, um, you know, they, they're really conservative in their estimates across the board, not just with the Browns, but across the board and how they estimate the number of wins. And you're looking at like in a nine range. I really think that they'll, they can win 11 games this year. Um, you never know what obviously in the NFL and how uh, each and individual game will go and, and whatnot. But I'm, I really think that they'll, they'll be an 11, five uh, type team uh, winning the division and obviously hosting a, a home playoff game. Excellent. And uh, with like myself and you, you we're coming back into the season this week, learning more and more, you know, about the, uh, the training camp that's coming up this week. What's your view on the, on the kicker battle? Uh, um, a lot of people have been voting today online and uh, people are saying 68% over Greg uh, Joseph at 32% that their money's on there, that uh, Austin's going to be the Browns kicker. What do you think? 
Yeah, when you when you draft a kicker, you, that guy better make the team, right? So like, Greg Greg Joseph was fine, but he's he's it was nothing special. Um, he was solid at kickoffs. He wasn't great in the field goal, you know, area. We we create all this stuff, and need you know even uh, Cyber in in college, um, you know, he has these the numbers show it really well. But he like rarely ever had to kick anything over forty yards, like or, you know, especially never hardly anything over fifty yards. So he was he was actually quite inaccurate when he did have to kick over 50 yards who knows I, i'm not a huge uh, special teams guy so you know whoever makes the team they just better be able to make field goals i reckon we've got a huge uh, battle on that on the hands there because what it sounds like greg joseph has been turning up he's been making the kicks he's been accurate so uh, surely if you've got someone that's done it in the nfl i know you've drafted him in the fifth round but Maybe it makes sense to keep Greg Joseph and put other guy on the practice squad, and hopefully no one takes him. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think um, it's it's hard, right? Like, I mean, I guess it it is a battle, and people care about it because you know a lot of people assume or you know see how the Browns lost a couple games early in the year, and it was because of like a missed kick, you know, or tied a game, a missed field goal, um, and obviously that was Zane Gonzalez at the time. And there's a lot more that really goes into it, and than just missing a late second, you know, last second field goal or whatever. So, um, you know, Greg Joseph at least showed in the, that he can make some kicks in the NFL, and, and especially in, in, I guess, in the fourth quarter of games. So uh, I think that does carry some weight. Um, and so it'll be, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the, the battle plays out. I know that when you do draft a player, um, especially at the, a special teams position, that that player is going to – probably get the benefit of the doubt um and even if if he's not outright winning the battle if it's a close battle he's probably going to get the edge just because he was drafted especially when you think about it too like like dorsey basically you know john dorsey brought in greg joseph joseph last year you know on a whim because he needed to replace his kicker uh so it's not like he sought after greg joseph or maybe even had that much of a high grade on him and Obviously, if you draft a kicker, like you think about it, like there was like all sorts of other much more important skill positions and offensive line that he passed up to draft Austin Seibert. So I just think I think that Seibert in the end probably wins it unless he is just so bad in camp um, that, you know, you kind of can't give it to him at that point. Well, tomorrow, my big question is going to be on Twitter is Corbett. Do you think Corbett's going to be right guard, or do you think Weissman's going to do it, or Kush or Forbes? So I think I think it'll be a battle between, or at least I hope it's going to be a battle between Corbett and uh, Kush, um, because we don't. I mean, we don't really know what, how how Corbett's going to pan out at right guard. Uh, he's a guy that you know at, we at PFF liked coming out of college, not not necessarily loved or anything like that, especially not as high as they drafted him. Uh, but we had, I think, a, a third, third, late third round grade on him, um, and you know thought he would be a better center prospect. So, you know, there's there's developing that he has to do. He played a lot at left tackle in in Nevada, um, you know. So there's there's that. Uh, but when it comes to it, like Kush, if he can stay healthy, is a really solid right guard. Uh, he's he's shown that in you know throughout his career that when he is on the field he he performs extremely well. He, at last year he had one of the lowest pressure rates allowed at right guard in his time uh, when he was healthy. Um, and then you know 
you know, only a, only a few players at, in the, the NFL were better than him, and that's Kevin Zeit. One of them was Kevin Zeitler, who obviously was famously traded for Olivier Vernon and uh, the whole package of OBJ. So, um, you know, if if I'm not a huge fan of uh, Witzman, he's a you know he's he's a veteran in in his league. I think he's a John Dorsey guy because he brought him brought him to Kansas City when he was there. Uh, but he's a guy that's consistently struggled throughout his, his career in the NFL, uh, gives up a ton of pressures, struggles in a run game. So he's not a guy that um, I, I would trust at that position. Um, but I think Cush is a guy that I would. And then if Corbett can develop and, and be the guy that, you know, the Browns think he's going to be based on drafting him at number 33 overall, you know, that, that would be ideal, obviously. Okay. So, uh, if if it's not cool, but you're saying Kush would probably be the uh, right guard. Yeah, definitely. I think so because he's just, he's shown it. As long as he can stay healthy, he's shown it consistently uh, throughout his career that um, he's he's just been really you know graded out really well. Doesn't give up uh, too many pressures. Last year, you know he he only played 344 snaps, but gave up just three hurries. No no sacks, no hits. Uh, so really strong in pass protection. And that's obviously a strong point of the interior of the offensive line was for Cleveland last year. So he would be able to slide in there. Uh, you know, he's not, a, he's not like Kevin Zeller and, and as really good as uh, run blocking as he is, but um, he would be able to be definitely sufficient enough in that area and really strong in pass pro. And uh, how did PFF rate uh, Forbes coming out of the draft? So we don't, um, not, we don't have much information on Forbes, okay. mainly because he was an FCS product. But we, there are some games that we did do of his because uh, when, when he played against FBS competition, he graded out pretty well in pass protection, um, actually really well in pass protection, and was about average as a run blocker. So I think there's, in terms of, you know, development for him, I think there's there's a good chance that you know down the road he's not going to make the you know he's not going to be a starter for probably not even get very many snaps this year. But I think in a long term type of player he can develop into uh, a solid left tackle in the NFL just based on the on the, the numbers that we have and um you know he's a really athletic player uh, obviously tested out of the you know out of the park um, if you look at his his numbers you know at the pro day and and whatnot so. He's a guy that, you know, just based on the, the small sample size that I've seen of him, I do like and I think uh, long-term should be a, a potential starter for the Browns. Here's a tough question for you, John. Who do you think, maybe you think it's easy actually, but who do you think will get the most uh, receiving yards from the wide receiver? <laughs> uh, OBJ. <laughs> you reckon it's going to be uh, – you reckon he's going to uh, be injury-free and just um, yeah get most of the snaps? Yeah, I definitely think he's going to be injury-free. I mean, you can never predict injuries, right? Like, obviously, if he, he gets injured, that's that you know he's not going to get that. But he's you know when when we look at projections that we have at PFF that um, you know are done by uh, our fantasy team and our our analytics team. I mean, he's one of the, the few guys in the NFL that we have as, as projecting to get over a thousand yards. And, you know, his, if he stays healthy, there's no reason why he shouldn't get over a thousand yards easily um, and lead the team and, and potentially even the NFL and, and yards and, um, and even touchdowns because he's going from a situation that he had with Eli Manning, who is a shell of his former self. He's, you know, over the past five years has been extremely inaccurate a lot of negatively graded throws, 
going to a guy in Baker Mayfield who, you know, if he takes that second year leap that we expect him to do, uh, you know, how we, we graded him coming out of college and everything like that. And he was, you know, a fantastic for a rookie, uh, you know, he's going to one of the most accurate guys he can, he's ever going to have as a, as a quarterback. So, um, you know, everything on paper looks fantastic from that perspective. Yeah. My view was that uh, every team's going to double team him and, uh, given the, given, uh, access to, um, Higgins or Landry or, um, yeah, just opening the door for other people. But uh, even, even with double teaming the elite receivers, elite receivers get, their yards you know you, you can't double team them every single play um some teams just don't have the personnel to be able to do stuff like that if you're playing the patriots every single week then you're you're looking at you know them being able to stymie like the best player usually because that's just kind of what they do and how you know bill belichick is really good at that but when it comes to um you know the uh, elite receivers you know julio jones is often double teamed antonio brown's often double teamed DeAndre Hopkins, same thing. Like all these guys get double teamed, but they get their yards. You know, OBJ in in New York, I mean, like there was no other weapons except for him. He was constantly double teamed, but still got his yards when he was on the field. So it's one of those things that elite receivers will still get, you know, regardless of getting double teamed, they, they get their yards and their catches because they're that good. And he is that good. Excellent. How do you see uh, on the defense side, the, uh, cornerback uh, room panning out. So uh, obviously we've got Ward and Greedy, but do you think uh, they're both definite starters? Yeah, I think I don't, I mean, Greedy will be interesting. Like obviously Ward is a starter. He was a starter last year and, you know, he stays healthy. He's going to be that. But when it comes to Greedy, I think, um, you know, he's still really young. Like he's, he's, gonna, he's one of the youngest players that was drafted in the NFL this past year, but he has that talent that, you know, perhaps he doesn't start week one, I think by mid-season he should, you know, you know, he have the trust of the, of the, you know, the, you know, the coaching staff that he would be a starter by then. I would hope so. Um, his ability is, you know, basically, you know, coming out of college, we really liked him. We had as a top ten player in the draft. So when you, you know, if you get somebody like that, you would hope that he's uh, going to pan out and be that that starter opposite Denzel Ward. Um, you know, T.J. Carey is another guy that I think, you know, as a slot guy will will fill in well. Obviously, you've got, um, uh, you know, Terrence Mitchell, who a lot of people, you know, Browns fans like. We're not as high on him. I know he brings a physical presence and, and stuff like that. And he brings, you know, he brings like a, you know, assurance that he's he's not going to be uh, a detriment to the team, but he's not going to he's not going to stand out from a consistency standpoint. Like he'll 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 give up some plays. He'll make some plays, but he's not going to be able to elevate the, the, the player for the, the secondary. But I think that in, you know, over the course of the year, it's going to get better mainly because you're going to get more, um, you know, it's more experience from greedy Denzel Ward should, should just be better at, you know, I've heard that he's, he's going to come into camp much bigger, much stronger. So he shouldn't be taking those hits like he was last year. So all good things from that perspective. And I think the cornerback room uh, should be even better than it was last year, considering how, much improved it was from the year before prior excellent thanks for giving me insight there my last question for you is safety room uh, how do you see that panning out this this i'm a little bit concerned obviously randall is potentially pro bowl material but then the depth it feels like we've got some 
average depth there that could shine a bit like our cornerback room last year, but a lot to wait and see what how it's going to pan out. How do you see it panning out in the in the corner? Sorry, in the safety room. Yeah, obviously Randall will be the starting free safety. He's a guy that I think will move around a lot more, and he's he did move around a lot last year where he was covering wide receivers and some at some points covering number one wide receivers. So he was basically like a hybrid corner slash safety for for the Browns last year. Um, Wilkes' defense is going to be obviously different, but I think he's still going to be kind of like a gadget type player, but you can also, you know, obviously trust him deep. And um, I think Redwine, a guy they drafted in the fourth round this week, this, you know, this draft, uh, I, he's a guy I like. Uh, he might come on late in the season. I don't see him uh, being a day one starter or anything like that. Uh, Morgan Burnett, I know is, you know, coming from, from Pittsburgh. A lot of player people seem to be down on him. I still think he has a lot to to provide. He's going to be a, a good run presence. He's solid in the box, covering underneath. Uh, he's going to be you know, he's a pretty solid blitzer as well. So you know you got you got that veteran presence there, and I think he's like a um, as long as he's healthy, which he was not healthy last year, he's going to be a, a really solid player for for the Browns. And you know, a guy that's been um, kind of I guess emerging is Jermaine Whitehead, who basically had six snaps last year and actually has mostly played as a cornerback or a slot cornerback rather than a safety in his time. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays as safety because of, you know, it's a change of position. He might, you know, might thrive like uh, Demarius Randall did last year where he was played as a cornerback, kind of struggled in Green Bay as a cornerback, um, but, you know, put, went into a more natural position for him. So maybe we'll see kind of the same for him. That would be obviously a bonus for the Browns, but um well, you know, I, I don't expect to see that. It's a, That's much more of a projection there. But I think it's going to be okay. You know, you got Randall that's coming back that's going to uh, hold it down, and you've got a, a veteran presence in Morgan Burnett that I, I think the, should surprise a lot of people, I think, that are expecting maybe less from him. Yeah, it seems to be quite uh, common on online that a uh, bit of concern around there. And John, I've got to ask, what were your feelings when we lost Peppers? Yeah, it, it's a tough one, right? Because he was he – was, the second-year leap was obviously real for him. Uh, went into a more natural position. So, like, obviously, you know, the, the trade-off between uh, a strong safety and OBJ is, like, there's no question about that. You like like that trade. You take that trade 10 times out of 10, obviously, with some obviously draft picks that along, go along with it. Um, but Bill Peppers is a good player. He's going to be a good player in this league. So, it's tough to see – good players leave. It's kind of like the similar situation with the trade for, uh, you know, Olivier Vernon, Olivier Vernon's really good players, but so is Kevin Zeitler. So it's, you know, it's a trade-off. You're not, you're going to lose something when you, when you trade for these elite, uh, you know, elite players or really good players at premium positions. So you're, you're trading a player at, at a non-premium position um, for one at a premium position. I think obviously the net overall is going to be really good there. Yeah, I don't see how we're going to take Olivier on for the second season. He, he's, what, 14 million, I think? Uh, I need Jack on the show to tell me a bit more about the cap. But, yeah, I think he's on 14 million. I, I can't see us keeping him for a second year at that uh, price. Um, yeah, I have, to, I have to pull up his, his salary stats on that. I, I know that um, if, you know, it might be just a one-year thing. It might it might not be, an, you know, but... Uh, his dead cap hat hit. No, actually, you know, and they might restructure if they can figure out something to restructure. There is no dead cap to to cutting him. 
even this year, but obviously you wouldn't do that. And it's a 15.5 million cap hit next year. So yeah, I mean, if, if they can restructure and, and make some, you know, obviously makes the impact that, uh, you know, the Browns Browns want, then you want to obviously look at something to, to extend them uh, at a reasonable price. But really then you're also looking at, you know, obviously extending Miles Garrett. There's going to be uh, other players, obviously in the team that are deserving of raises, such as Demarius Randall, uh, Joe Schobert. So it just depends on how, you know, where, where they're going to prioritize that money. But um, it, cutting him or trading him won't, will cost the Browns absolutely nothing. So there is, there is at least that out, but um, you would actually want to hope that they can somehow extend them and reduce that cap hit for sure. All right, John, last, last question. Taking, uh, taking away the top 10 Browns players, your Bakers, your Garrett's, your OBJ's, who's one player you think is going to shine this upcoming season? Yeah, I think uh, actually Richard Higgins is probably going to maybe surprise some people. Um, I know there's a lot of love for, for him, but he's he's a guy that, uh, you know, we at PFF really loved coming out of college. We had a, we had a really high grade on him. Um, obviously, up until last year, he was dealing with some pretty bad quarterback play um, and was kind of thrown into the fire that way. And, and you know, he, he was even cut. Um, he came back from that even stronger. Uh, I seemed like more dedicated and um, really good player that we, you know, really good route runner. You can see from um, he's able to set up his, the defenders and use their leverage against them, you know, recognizes what, how to get open um, even without the, the elite type speed. And I think obviously you're going to have a lot of attention on OBJ, a lot of attention on Jarvis Landry, Dave Njoku. And so that, you know, it opens up the, the middle of the field for Higgins uh, that he he might have a have a quite you know obviously you're not looking at like a thousand type yard season or anything like that but he's going to be you know quietly really productive uh, I think and, and consistent on a week to week basis because of you know just his abilities and what you know all the other weapons around. Yeah, mate. I think uh, Higgins could have a real big season, and uh, you never know him or Callaway. I think could do something crazy and uh, outperform uh, OBJ. But uh, I know a few listeners are going to be thinking I'm crazy for saying it, but watch your space. I, 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 think you're, I think you're crazy thinking that those two guys will outplay him. But yeah, mm-hmm. only, only happens if uh, OBJ gets injured and knock on wood, you know, nobody wants to see that. You know, everybody wants to see the elite players, you know, stay healthy. So, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll call you crazy for, for that type <laughs> of Bold take. <laughs> Mate, I always like bold takes. But look, John, tell us, all, what's your plans for the season? What are you going to be up to? Anything you're changing this year? Um, no, a lot of it's, you know, I'll, I'll be uh, doing the same thing I've been doing the past couple of seasons where we're obviously grading NFL, grading college. Um, all that's going to be getting reviewed. I'm managing the, the quarterback charting process, which is our uh, quarterback accuracy ball you know the ball location accuracy uh charting along with the coverage charting that we do um and there's some there's some interesting new things coming down the pipeline that i i can't can't speak about just yet because it's nothing's official but I'm working also on some some special projects that hopefully by in the 2020 season we should have up and rolling but i that's more of an off-season project that uh that i've been working on so um yeah uh uh, once once that becomes 
more official, we can talk about that next year. So our talk before training camp next year, it should hopefully be something that we can uh, move forward with. But, but yeah, same, most of it this year and this season is be the same old, same old, uh, just grinding tape 80 hours a week. Well, that's going to be a new tradition. You're going to be my first guest every season, keeping the, uh, the tradition going. So uh, hopefully we're both doing this next year. And uh, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you back on again. And uh, just want to say uh, thanks for your support. Are you still cooking? Yeah, uh, just still cooking. Uh, I mean, you know, nothing, nothing special like, uh, you know, your beef wellington and stuff like that that you've shown <laughs> me. Uh, uh, but, uh, and especially with the move, like this whole summer has been kind of like, like usually I, in the summers when I get all of my cooking in of special items and I haven't gotten to do that because of the move that I'm, I've been making. But uh, I, I got some, I got some new equipment that I'm going to break in the new house with. And hopefully once I, I'm, you know, we close on that and I move in there, I can make something special. I'll, I'll, I'll see if you can replicate it. How, how, how does that sound? Mate, it sounds perfect. Uh, breaking news. I've bought a Weber a barbecue uh, thing this evening and I'm, cooking the burgers as we talk on the roof at the moment you need to you need to do smash burgers okay smash mate, you have burgers. To translate that to me in english what is a smash burger it's where you take the you take the two you know you know you take your four ounces of meat split it into two make them into balls you put it on your you, you get your your grill smoking hot you get a like a, a plate you know a flat plate like a sear plate put them on there and you smash the burger into the plate when it, you know, at like 500, 600, 700 degrees. And so it creates this awesome sear on the patty. You flip it, essentially put the cheese on, take it off, put it on your bun. The, the heat of that sear melts that cheese that quickly. And that's it. Like it takes a minute to cook and they're phenomenal. All right. Well, watch the YouTube video coming in the next couple of months of me trying to do smash burgers in England. <laughs> And then, and then I'll I'll see how you do it, and then I'll I'll try to see if I see if I have any critiques for it, and I'll maybe I can uh, put a video up of my own showing you the way. <laughs> Excellent. All right, John, it's an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Where can people find your details if they're not following you? Yeah, so John Costco three. So at and uh, my Twitter handle is at John Costco three. That's K O S K O. And uh, sometimes we'll have writing work on, on pro football. Uh, I almost said it pff.com. Uh, and I'll obviously tweet about that stuff when I, when I do write, but uh, um, yeah, most of my uh, takes you'll find on, on Twitter uh, on a weekly basis. Excellent. All right, John, John from PFF. I said it correct. You said it wrong. And yes, you've got the breaking news on the podcast. Pro Football Focus is history. It's all about PFA. Thanks a lot, John. Thank you, Paul. Always a pleasure. Go Browns.